Good morning. Yeah, it's still... No. Wow. Good afternoon. It's a lovely place to be, isn't it? Being prayed for. And have the community around you and praying and celebrating you and speaking truths from the Father into you and knowing that and hearing these heartbeat for you, the community's heartbeat for you, and the interconnectedness of fellowship and people's prayers as they join up, as we speak a word over each other, and then we find that word has come through another as well, and our faith grows and it becomes stronger. And we're just like, what a beautiful place to be. Now, Peter and Angela have had their journey And Peter was called to minister in this church for 30 odd years. And Angela alongside him. You have your journey. And it is no less valuable and important in the kingdom of God than theirs. And they'd be the first to say so. And so I just want us to to recognise that group of people. I want you to imagine yourself in the middle of it. Of people praying over you of being the centre of attention and the object of the Father's love. How does that feel? Yeah, no thanks. Or, yeah, maybe. Or, hang on, you don't really know me. That moment is a moment the Lord wants to keep on reproducing throughout the church, in community group life, in different places in this building, throughout the week on WhatsApp. In whatever ministry we're doing, he wants us to be in that place of hearing his heart for one another, speaking it out, sharing it, and allowing the Spirit of Christ to work amongst the body to edify us all and lift us up. We're all called to be in that place. As Angela said, whether we're called to stay and get stuck in or go and get stuck in, we're called. We're in a series on prayer and prayer is all-inclusive. It's offered up to all of us. There isn't any one of us who is excluded from it. And prayer is the most dynamic expression of the Christian life because it expresses dependence on God. Much of our community, much of our society that we live in, much of humanity is all about creating independence. Our education system seeks to single us out and identify our competency and our ability to be independent and independent in thought. Much of our growing in the way our families are structured are to kind of get you to a point at which you can go, right, go. You're on your own now. We just had Nathan, Jane dropped Nathan off at Norwich yesterday. And uh, Megan's going in uh, a few weeks' time to Chichester. And uh, it's like, okay, two down, two to go. No, not really, not really. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of that mode, isn't it? But actually, I just want to explore this morning that actually the reverse is true in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, what, 
what he wants for us is utter dependency upon him and for the independent will and self to fall away and for us to walk in our true identity and sons as daughters of the king. That's what he wants for us. I don't know about you when it comes to prayer. There's, there's been moments in my life where prayer has really been catalyzed by a potential problem. And uh, I'll go back a few years to this circumstance. I used to do sound and lighting at school and uh, getting ready for the plays and we'd shimmy up rigging and you know, sort out the lights and bits and pieces. And there was this one production which was starting on the Monday evening and I can't remember if it was Oedipus or Faust or whatever it was, but I was there on a Saturday and we were sorting out the lights and the sound and getting everything ready. Now, there wasn't anyone else in the building apart from the three of us, students. And uh, we got done way before it was pick-up time. Now, this is the days, you know, those ancient analogue days, pre-mobile phones and all of that. And so there I was with my mates going, what do we do? Well, what do you do when you're three of you on your own in a school? Where do you do? You go explore. What's behind this door? What's in this room? What's in there? What's in there? This is a, a, a grammar school of like 1,200 students. So it's a big place. And then we thought, well, we've we kind of explored where we can and all the rest. What should we do now? Let's go play hide and seek. So we thought, right, hide and seek. Right, you guys wait there. We'll do these floors. It, it, the middle block had like four floors. We'll do these floors, you know, see if you can find us. So we run off, you know, we weren't too cautious about making sound. And we go into this one room up on, I think it was the third story, fourth story. And we're, we're sitting there, me and my mate. We're like, and then we could hear the other, the other guy coming to find us. Oh, man, let's go find us. I say to him, he'll never find us if we climb out the window. So we pop open the window and we climb out onto the flat roof, which was so big, you know. And we're there, crouched behind the windowsill. He's never going to find us. I thought it was brilliant until the caretaker walked down the street and he saw us. He's like, yo, what are you doing out there? And he just like went nuts. Oh, my days, you know, trying to get back through the window, climbing back through, running around, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was after us like you wouldn't believe. Monday morning was coming. Now, put it this way, about three weeks prior to that, somebody kicked a ball onto a ground floor block and they climbed up to get the ball off the roof and they were suspended. And I was thinking, oh my days, what do we do now? Situations like that are real catalyzers for prayer and trusting in God and digging in and letting him know that he's the most important place and he's the sure, sure rock beneath my feet. As I looked at my potential educational life falling away as I'll get expelled, surely, and Monday morning was looming. Anyway, we'll talk about that a bit later. You want to know? We were there, stood in the, in the headmaster's office. And he was one of these guys, tall, imposing, that made like parents feel intimidated. And we're like, oh my days, this is it. I mean, we're dead. The caretaker's there absolutely fuming, out for blood. And we're like, oh, my days. And he looks at the three of us and he says, do you know what? 
That was the most stupidest thing you could have done. He went, don't do it again. Now, why isn't the sound right during assemblies? I want you three to go and sort it out and, you know, make sure it works. And we ran out of there like the wind. And I was like, what just happened? What just happened? I've got no idea. And I was thankful and I was grateful and I was rejoicing. And I was like, God, you stepped in. I can't believe it didn't end with us being expelled. And it was like, wow, what just happened? That was a real catalyst for prayer. It was a real drawing in, trusting that somehow he was good, that God was good, that he was trustworthy, that somehow I could place all my eggs in that basket and he'd come through. And I didn't understand the outcome, but I rejoiced in it. The thing is, God wants us to have those moments outside of chaos, outside of pressure, outside of challenge, He wants us to have those moments with him in the good times as well. He wants us to have those realisations of his goodness, those, oh, I can breathe again moments with him. When it's not chaos, when it's not impending doom. He draws us into a relationship with him which is profoundly more than the petitions of help. And as we go through this series, as you look at it this week in, in group life, as you explore what prayer is, I hope and pray that you'll unpack this reality of this relationship further. That these, these potential moments you may have experienced will be ones that actually catalyze the ongoing enjoyment of God rather than singular moments in your life that are then spaced out with silence. Prayer is a challenge. It's not easy. It's extremely simple. Talking to God and listening to him. Extremely simple. But in our complex way, with all our psychology and all our limited understanding, we make it more and more complex. And so the challenge we've got is to trust him And bring all our concerns, all that we are, to him in prayer. But not just our concerns, our hunger and our desire to know and be known. Our desire to see him for who he is. Our our passion to be transcended like Paul into the heavenly realms and actually see that reality is more dominant than this one. When Peter and Paul are caught up in trances, We see for them this moment in prayer, this intimacy with God where actually everything else falls away. And as people explore spirituality, we can be cautious to push some of that stuff aside and say, no, that's that's not the Christian way. But it's Peter and Paul's direct experience to be with God in prayer and to experience him to actually be transformed in his presence, to be taken up and have revelation of him and what he's saying. That's all part of the dynamic of prayer that God's calling us into. He has so much more for us. 
Before I move on, I just want to hone in on a potential barrier to prayer. And that's the barrier of disappointment or the barrier of disillusionment that can sit front and centre in front of us that proclaims, you prayed about this and it didn't happen. You trusted in this circumstance and what you wanted didn't come around. And I believe God wants to speak into that specifically today and bring hope and bring his comfort. Because our ways are not his ways. We don't fully understand the wisdom of God, nor do we fully understand the impact of our own choices and how we walk with him. But he is love. And on that basis, we want to take that truth, we want to take it out of Scripture, we want to say, God, you are love, and therefore I'll trust you again. I'll trust you again. Can we just do that? If, if you don't feel that resonance that, you know, I'm struggling with this, would you just, in your heart, pray for those around you that might? And I'll pray with those that find this difficult. Father God, stuff happens in us and to us that we don't understand. There's a mystery to your ways and the ways of ourselves. And in that can become disappointment, disillusionment, pain, and that can lead to distrust. And Lord, we want to trust you. We want to take you at your word that you are love. And that you are able to do all things and able to turn all things for the good of those that love you. And so, Father, would you heal our hearts this morning, this afternoon? Would you heal our hearts? Would you resolve the disappointment, the pain, the sorrow? Would you do a work in us to see you again with absolute clarity? Amen. Jesus teaches the disciples off the basis of them asking him. And they go to him and they say, will you teach us how to pray? Teach us to pray. Because they've watched him. They've watched him disappear off. Sometimes they don't know where he's gone. Sometimes they do know where he's gone. Sometimes they're with him. But they've watched him. They've listened in to that dialogue between the son and the father. And they're like, we want to pray like you. They've been a jealousy has been raised up, a hunger has been birthed in them for the way Jesus is with the Father. And that is a, that's prayer. They're basically saying to him, Jesus, the way you're with the Father, can we be like that? Can we have that relationship ourselves? Teach us to pray. And Jesus kicks off with probably the two most profoundest words for prayer. Our Father. Our Father. It's both plural, so it includes everybody collectively together, not isolating us, but also singular, Father. Together we are in it, but also he is my Father. And it is that Father relationship that God is about. Prayer is about the relationship between a child and and their father. Paul says that we've become sons and daughters through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. 
that we are now adopted into his family. And not just as adoptees, but actually we become heirs with Christ. We become inheritors of the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ. It's nuts. But the trouble is, there's this challenge in us which makes it really hard to comprehend. We're like, okay, what do I do with that? How does that function? The reality is it functions through prayer, through relationship with the Father. It's talking to him, listening to him, positioning ourselves to trust him at his word and pray into it, talk to him. Lord, you say that I'm a son. I don't get it. I just don't get it. You say you're my father. I don't get it because my father was awful. That's not true of me. I'm just giving an example. It's actually actively dialoguing with God about our journey in practicing the ways of Jesus and being intentional about it. Talking to the Father about all the things of our life, not the, oh my days, I'm going to get expelled moment. But that and, actually I need to know you more. I need to understand who I am. I need to understand who you are. As I meditate on your word, would you reveal to me your heart towards me? Would you break down these barriers that have been constructed through my experiences that need to be, I need to be set free from? And Jesus said it in Luke 4. He stands up in the synagogue. You know it, Isaiah 61. This is my mission, to set the captive free, release for the prisoner. Captives are those that are taken by the world. And stuff happens to you, not of your own fault. And he wants to set you at liberty from what's happened to you. Prisoners are those that have breached the law, that have done wrong and therefore become imprisoned. And he wants to set you free. So I want to bind up the brokenhearted. This is his mission. This is what he's about. And it's our opportunity to take him at his word and trust Jesus uses a couple of analogies for our relationship with him. He uses the picture of the vine and the branches. And he says, I I need you to be connected in like a branch is connected to the vine. You're wholly dependent on me. You're wholly dependent on my root system. You're wholly dependent on what I'm based in in order to survive. In fact, you cannot survive on your own in that system. You just can't. He says, without me, you cannot bear fruit. And so we can look at that picture and we can go, brilliant. I'm going to connect into Jesus. I'm going to get productive for the kingdom of God. Fantastic. But he doubles down and he gives another example. And he says, I want you to become like little children. Now, little children really are unable to differentiate themselves from their parents. It's actually a point at which a child doesn't actually know there's something other than the parent. And then there's a realisation in their psychology that they are actually an individual, but they're still absolutely dependent on the parent. And a small child is dependent on the parent for everything. A small child is dependent on the parent for food, for shelter, for clothing, for warmth, for security, for safety. Those are functional realities, right? But also the child is dependent on the parent for love. 
for security, for psychological well-being, for nurturing, for growing up to become all that they are. And when Jesus says, our Father, he inserts God into that space, that which defines us and creates in us the true life of Christ. Prayer is the walking with Jesus. It's all of that dynamic and more. It's the help I'm going to get expelled and it's the I need to know your love for me so that I am transformed from the inside out. I need to understand that you are outrageous in your nature and that your love is abounding. And I need to get that in my bones. I need the foundation beneath my feet to be certain and sure. Lord, help me. It's the raw reality of the cry of, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Prayer is the drawing into that most intimate place of relationship with God where we become like little children. And as Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. So independence from him is one of the key factors to why the church doesn't pray, why we don't pray individually, because we become so accustomed in the world about getting things done and making things happen. But when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, what he's saying is, apart from me in the kingdom of God, you won't see the kingdom come. You won't see the dynamic reality of the presence of God come when you try doing stuff in your own strength. So we get an invitation. It's not a condemnation. It's an invitation. It's like, do you want me? Do you want me to step into that part of your world? If so, come. Talk with me. Be with me. Listen to me. Let me have it all. It's that level of trust and dependency that God's looking for in his people. That relinquishing of of that, I can do it myself and I'll use you as a backstop. That kind of phrase that maybe, you know, we just kind of comes into culture now and again. There's nothing else to do but pray. It's the first thing to do. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask the Father to indwell the community, to indwell us so that we hear his voice first. So we understand his ways, his will, his wanting before anything else. And in that place of intimacy with him, we are secure. That whatever comes our way, we've got this ongoing relationship, this ongoing dialogue, this ongoing hearing and speaking with him about all the realities of what and who we are, that we're able to stand. And when we've stood, we're able to stand. For some of us, understanding God as Father is really hard. It may be that your parent was ambivalent. They didn't really know how to be a father. It may be that they were abusive. It may be that actually they died and they weren't around. 
But for me, when I look at that Isaiah passage, when I see what Jesus stands up and says in the temple, when I look at how he went about his ministry, when I look about his personal internal journey with the Father, what that looks like to me is an invitation to allow God to now step into that which was lost. Allow God to really become our Father, my Father. And to be loved by him, to allow him to love me, to allow him to sing songs and dance with delight over me. We used the phrase, Gareth used the phrase earlier, that we don't have to hold ourselves. There's a reality to so much of life where we have to steal ourselves, we have to hold ourselves, we have to endure, we have to keep going in our own strength. The Father's saying, no, I don't want you to walk like that. I don't want you to live like that. I want you to walk in me. Stop holding yourself. Allow me to hold you. Become vulnerable again. Allow me to hold you. Look to me and I will restore your strength. I will enable that which seems impossible. I find it wildly peculiar that I stand up and speak to you guys. Because this is not the place I want to be. Everything in me is like, no, don't do that. But I feel called. And then he calls us, he enables us in our weakness to walk in his strength. And that's prayer. I want you to be excited about prayer, about the vast possibilities that prayer presents, that we in our culture get robbed of. I rue the day I looked at YouTube shorts. Like, oh, my days. So, yeah, oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Wow, two hours has gone by. My days. There's a challenge for us. There's a challenge for us to pursue him as father and to understand him like that. And there's a challenge for us, which is to put aside things that we don't need to make space to pursue him as father. Because he knows us as father first and he's not saying... But he's saying, come, come into the secret place. And what's beautiful about that is that he says, come into the secret place and he will hear you and he will reward you in the public space. He will reward you in the public space. So you go into that prayer closet, you go into that space with the Father and you pray and you pour out your heart of affection, you pour out your brokenness, you pour out your guilt and your shame, you pour out all the stuff of life, your dependency and all that you are and then you wait and you listen and if you can't hear anything, turn to the scriptures which show the unchanging nature of God. That he is love, that he is for you, that he's not against you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, and that you are his and you are called by his name. And if you can't do that, then grab hold of somebody who can and say, will you pray with me? Because I'm finding it hard to access this place of the Father because it's from there that I need to live. So I want to give Holy Spirit 
10 seconds, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but I, Holy Spirit's going to highlight to you something you can let go of to make more space to be with the Father. And he does it real gently. And he'll just go, yeah, just, just, just get rid of that. And then ask him for the strength and the recognition of that moment in your day to do exactly that. Let me hear your voice like Samuel hearing the Lord calling. So he'll just call your name. Samuel, Samuel. And you'll just feel that call of the Father. And you're like, I want to answer it. I'm going to go be with him. So Holy Spirit, our lives are full of necessary things, but they've also got unnecessary things in them. And we want to make more space for you. So Holy Spirit, would you highlight to us now the moment that's going to work for us, the opportunity that we can let go of something and take hold of you. The last thing of, that I wanted to share to you, with you today is very briefly is about the authority that you have as a child of God before his throne about the authority that you possess because you're a son of the king and you're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And that is an authority that the Lord has given you to see change affected in the earth. When, Pete, when Paul writes to the church and he says, you don't war against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers in the heavenly realms. And then he talks about the armour of God and his prayer. He's positioning the believer in that battle, in a war that has been won. The victory is assured. The victory is done. Jesus did it on the cross. End of. Is that victory that we now stand in and that God says, will you partner with me? Will you partner with me? Will you stand in prayer? Would you wage war against the dark forces that wish to oppress people, that wish to see nations go the wrong way, that wish to keep people in pain and agony? Will you partner with me in that? Do you know who you are because of who he is? It's a provocation that Jesus lays out when he answers the question, Lord, teach us how to pray. Our Father our Father. And then he finishes, thine be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And in between our Father and the eternity of heaven is all the stuff of life that we have to deal with. And so Jesus sets it up, not as a thing to repeat aimlessly, but he sets it up as a framework that encompasses everything. And he calls us church to the warfare of prayer. To pray in ones and twos and threes and fives and tens and thirties and hundreds and two hundreds. To see the change. Because he says, apart from me, you can't do anything. So all the things we talked about last week, all the ideas, all the heartbeats of heaven we have for reaching out, for seeing this town affected by the gospel, for seeing the broken set free. 
all comes from that root of Jesus and our connection to him. And that's all in prayer. So as you look this week at the Lord's Prayer in groups, I can encourage you, if you're not in groups, get in there. Look at the Lord's Prayer this week together. And as you pray through it, you'll be praying through all the different attributes of life. I want you to do one thing. Ask yourself the question, am I trusting him? Have I got back to that child-like holding on dependency that I need to maintain as I walk this life with Jesus? Bless you.